On my first trip to the seminary, I went by way of, I had to go to Connecticut, and I went by way of St. Paul, and a friend of mine whom helped me in great ways grow in friendship with Jesus Christ and uh, supported me in this journey to go to the seminary. We took a week's trip, and um, he wanted to go visit Mary Jo Copeland at a place called Sharing and Caring Hands in St. Paul. So we went up to the Twin Cities and then made our way east. And he introduced me to a woman who is incredibly filled with the Holy Spirit and has given her life in ways that I never could have imagined. And to see the mission and ministry entrusted to her by Christ was something that was breathtaking. To see the ways that she welcomed in the homeless and how from a little tiny shop front, her ministry grew and grew and grew to the point where many people are helping care for the homeless right there in the midst of downtown Minneapolis. And every day she would wash the feet of the poor. And she invited us to wash the feet of the poor. I was like, I don't know that I'm ready for that. Because <laughs> they were the real poor. A mark was placed on my heart that day. And two years later, unsuspectingly, I would end up at St. Paul Seminary. And when I got there, I kept thinking to myself after a few months, how come nobody ever talks about Mary Jo Copeland? It's the most amazing Catholic ministry in the entire archdiocese. And I don't hear a beep. And I started thinking about all the things, reasons why, I'll bet this, I'll bet they don't like that, da, da, thinking, stra- oh, da, da. Why does no one in the seminary talk about her? And how come the seminarians never go over to sharing and caring hands? It's the most amazing Catholic mission in the entire archdiocese. One day at lunch, as I was internally battling forces, the thought occurred to me, why do you need Monsignor to tell you that you can go visit the poor? And then it occurred to me, Two years before, Mary Jo gave me her cell phone number. And filled with so much zeal, I left that dinner table and I went outside and I called up Mary Jo. This is John Rutten. Do you remember me? I came a couple years ago and I want to come visit you. Oh, that'd be great. And so I did. And the minute I showed up, she says to me, Where are all the seminarians? And because of the journey I took, I had the prudence to say, Mary Jo, they're not my responsibility. God wanted me here. And so here I am. And the next time I'd go back, I went back every week, and she always asked me, how come the seminarians don't come anymore? What do you mean come anymore? Well, they used to come. Oh, they did. Yeah, and then they stopped coming. I don't know why they don't come anymore. I don't know, Mary Jo, that's not my responsibility. God wanted me here, and so I am. And Mary Jo Copeland transformed me. The devoutness of her, the love she had for the protection of children in the womb, 
her willingness to take even the poorest of the poor and say that child in your womb should not be aborted. And we live in a country that would think that's a solution. And yet for her to be on her knees, washing the feet of the poorest of the poor, how can you contradict this? How can you not wrestle with this? How can you not see here as a woman who has authority way beyond what people in power do? And she taught me the church calls us to a place in which we may not be comfortable. Calls us to a place in which we are going to become other Christs in this world, to be prophetic in some days, and in other days, crucified. I remember so vividly the day that she saw this man come in whose pants were almost falling off of him, and she had this look in her face as if God had just appeared. And she believed he had in him. I had never seen someone so convicted that Christ is in the poor. And I love Mother Teresa and I love the fact that she saw Christ in the poor. But until I met Mary Jo, I didn't understand what what Mother Teresa believed. I thought it was just kind of words. No, he really is in them. Mary Joes are needed in our lives. We all need a person who awakens us, who helps us wrestle, who helps us realize that the gospel is alive and effective and that they teach us how to see Christ in ways we couldn't before. They make us want to get up in the morning and do things. They make us want to adhere to the church in ways that we didn't before. They make us you know, want to go to seek. How many people went to seek only because someone else was going? That's your Mary Joe. How many of you live something in the church because someone else is there? That's your Mary Jo. How many of you only have a living faith because you saw it alive in someone else? That's your Mary Jo. It's amazing the students we have uh, that uh, see some of you guys here at RCIA. And everyone at that RCIA gathering is there because someone else awakened them. Another student. And it's not even a student who's like at the pinnacle. One person's there just because the other person started. He's only like a week into this. Well, he's like three weeks into this thing. And he's already got somebody that's following him because of what he's doing. That's the Mary Jo. And every single person needs someone in their life who makes them say, I want Christ who I see in you. If we don't have that, It's a burden, my friends. And I understand why the world does things a different way. Life isn't easy. No one gets out of suffering. But if we only have Mary Joes in our lives, we'll never grow. See, Mary Jo was somebody who awakened me But every day I had to go back and sleep at the seminary where Monsignor was in charge. And there could be a temptation to think that Mary Jo has everything going for and Monsignor just hasn't figured it out. How many of us have someone in our lives in the church who we think, oh, they just haven't figured it out? 
But that's just our little excuse for not being open to Christ and what he wants to do to us through them. Right? We see in the letter to St. Paul, this reminder to him. He's like, what's all this division about? You're for Apollos and you're for Paul and you're for this person and you're for that person, right? Why does this happen? It happened right there in the beginning. Right in the beginning. It's already there. Why does that happen? Because those people are the ones who awaken them. But only Jesus Christ was on the earth in a way in which the same person that awakened them was also the same person that Christ wanted to help them grow by giving them a place that they sort of had to wrestle. Right? Imagine that. After Jesus leaves, what does he do? He gives us St. Paul. And St. Paul went all over the world. St. Paul transformed more lands and peoples and did more good for things and brought the gospel to way more people than... St. Peter. And yet he said, on you, I'm going to build the church. Throughout the history of the church, there's always a Peter and there's always a Paul. That's why we celebrate their feast days together. There's one who awakens us and there's one who calls us to an obedience. And there's a temptation to think that obedience is bad, but I'll suffer it or I won't care. And that the other side is like the good. But St. Paul's reminding us today, it's all leading us to Christ. And if I don't have someone outside of my life that is calling me to something different than my own ideas, my own desires and my own feelings, I'll be stuck in a rabbit or a gerbil wheel. It'll be fun at first, but in the end, I'll be like, how do I get out of this thing? Because it'll just go round and round and round and round. No way out. You see, the interesting part that we have in the gospel today is just before he recognizes Jesus is going to call all of these people, he says, for the first time, Jesus began to preach and say, and what does he do? He says, repent. Repent. Jesus says, repent. And we might replace that with, stop thinking you're right. We might replace that with, be open to the person that you think doesn't have anything for you. We might replace that with, the person that you're fighting and struggling with actually may be Jesus. You know the beautiful moment that you're all going to have and your parents are all going to rejoice is the day that you have your own kids and you realize, oh my gosh, my mom and dad were right. That's what we're talking about. Do you have a Mary Jo in your life? I pray you do. Or the church doesn't make sense. But do you have a Monsignor in your life? Someone who is just as much in charge and is just as much the face of Christ to you? I pray you do, because that's the way in which you'll really grow. And you'll become someone who is able to see Christ and any person put on your path. Because you will have discovered that he comes different than my ideas. 
And sometimes initially he does make me jolt and say, what is this? Where are you? But in that disposition, our hearts grow in such a way where we can go all across the globe looking and looking and looking confident that even in the dirtiest person, he might be right there. And what a gift it is when we can wash his feet. It wasn't easy to get down with Mary Jo and do what she did. It was nice when it was in my head. But to see what their feet looked like wasn't good. But because she did, I followed her. I didn't just follow her in the beautiful things she did. I followed her in the ways I didn't like. And I learned so much. Monsignors and Mary Joes are just two ways that Christ wants to reach us, and they're actually the same way. Heading into my senior year, we're given duties at the end of the junior. And I was someone who served Mass a lot and loved music and was always organizing things. And so the dean of Men put me in charge of the liturgy for my last year at the seminary. Everybody pretty much agreed this made sense. When we got back for the fourth year to start, there was a new list of students and what jobs they held. And two had been changed. There was someone new who was responsible for the liturgies at the seminary. Monsignor, in many eyes, demoted me. But when I saw what my new responsibility was, my heart was filled with an awareness that Christ was working through that man. Because he had no idea where I had been going every week. And yet he put me in charge of corporal works of mercy. And the next week, I organized all of the seminarians at St. Paul's Seminary to go to Sharing and Caring Hands and visit Mary Jo. Two years after my ordination, I went back And there was still a list of the two seminarians who went every week to wash the feet of the poor. Christ worked through her. And he also worked through Monsignor. Let us pray that we would recognize in our lives a St. Paul who makes us get up and go. And also a St. Peter who helps us recognize that God gives us a place and a home in which to dwell And sometimes we have to wrestle with him. He wants us to fulfill the gospel today, that we might repent and live for him.